listening to the Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Mom Show. Liberty Moms are the original secretaries of defense. We are the real defenders of the home front, and we are there when it comes to defending our families and our communities. We're so happy to have you join us. I'm your host, Delaine England. I am super excited to have a great Liberty Dad on with us. Actually, we'll have a couple of them. Our first one is Representative Tim Jimenez. And Tim ran for the state legislature, or the, um, the, yeah, the Utah State Legislature, I guess you ran in 2022. 20, 2022, so, so this Brand is his new. very first, he just finished his very first session, and I got to tell you, I've seen a lot of people now come out, and it, you know, it's pretty intimidating, but Tim came out, Representative Jimenez came out on fire i mean he did not need training he knows his stuff he knows what he's doing and he i just can't even tell you how impressed i am he is married has six kids and i think three girls and three boys am i right that is correct okay awesome i just wanted to check and um tim tell us representative jimenez tell us why did you decide to run for the legislature well, I've I've kind of been involved in local politics in Tooele for a while, not in yes, uh, yeah. any elected office, but um, just trying to make my community a little bit better, knocking doors for candidates and getting people elected. And an opportunity came up, I thought, to to represent the people. Um, after 2020, I think we all decided that it's time to get a little bit more involved in our government. And this opportunity came up. My family and, and were uh, ready to support me in this, so we went for it. It's so awesome, and I can't tell you how thrilled, how really excited I am that you did, and how much a difference you've already made to our state. On your your you know on your website and on your platform, you said that you wanted to help other legislators and public servants be accountable to the restraints of the Constitution. That is pretty impressive. That's pretty impressive that you even thought of that to help other legislators, legislators, and public public servants be accountable to the constraints of the Constitution. That says that you understand what the Constitution's role is to protect the citizens and to, that it is a restraint. It, it is there to restrain those who are public servants. And that's pretty impressive. But, you know, people can put anything on their website. So it doesn't mean they're actually <laughs> yeah. going to do it. And that has been really impressive that you you really got that. And most people don't really, a lot of issues, there's so many issues, they don't really know exactly how to vote. And I've just been so impressed how every single time you you stood on the side of the proper role of government and the side of liberty. So tell us about one of your, one of my favorite bills this year you were the sponsor of, it's HB 427. So tell us yeah, about yeah. that bill. How did that bill okay. come to be and why that was so important to you? Well, as someone who grew up in, in very different circumstances, school was always a, 
you know, I hate to use the word safe space, but it was a place where I could go and find a meal and, and, and learn about the world around me. But I, uh, as, as education has changed, I think often we, we find that some of the things that teachers are teaching may not be consistent with our values. Um, so I look at some of what other states had done and uh, kind of altered it to make it special for Utah. I called it the Individual Freedom in Public Education, and that's exactly what it is. We, we take principles from the Declaration of Independence all the way up to the 1964 Equal Rights Amendments, and we, we take those principles and we code them into law, and they're simple principles. Um, we, we make sure that as we're talking about race and sexism and some of the other issues that, that are an unfortunate part of our history, that we do not blame people now for sins in the past. Um, we can we can acknowledge that there were problems in the past, but we can't make blatant statements. We can't say one race was entirely racist. We can't say one sex is entirely sexist, or one group has an entirely uh, a character trait ascribed on them. The important thing is that everybody in the past should be judged on their individual traits, um, and that here in the future and where we are now, we need to make sure we judge our actions based on or um, on people's merit, on the things that they're doing, not based on their race, their skin color, their ethnic origin, um, their religious beliefs. That's not the way you judge people. Martin Luther King had it right when he said, judge people not by the color of their skin, but by the contact or content of their character. And really what we're doing is ascribing into state code those kinds of principles so that when we have the difficult discussions that we need to have, that we have something to fall back on, that teachers can say, you know what, if I'm teaching to these principles, I'm teaching consistent with the founding documents of this country, and, and then we can have those difficult discussions. And as parents, we don't have to worry about them ascribing traits to our children. We don't have to worry about my kid coming home feeling awful, saying, look, I'm a racist because of the color of my skin, or I'm a sexist because of my gender, or I have the wrong views on something because of my religious beliefs. And it, it allows the individual's beliefs to stand and it allows us to look at history through the scope of an individual's behavior and not make blanket statements. You know, that is exactly right. It's so principle-based. And I think that because of your background, which you've been pretty open to share your background. Yeah, I it's on my website. That... I think it's important for other people to, especially because people may come from difficult circumstances. And I want them to know, look, no matter where you come from, this country gives you the opportunity to step away from that and become so much more. It really does. You are a testimony to that. It doesn't matter what circumstances you are born into, that you can rise above, above it if you decide to, if you choose to. And obviously you have worked hard, but it is amazing with your your beginnings because you, you know, your dad became an alcoholic, sadly, and um, mm -hmm. although it's really exciting that he's recovered, so that's, I yeah, think, yeah, you he, have a he, lot to do with he that. Grew up in, he grew up in a very awful circumstance, and, and I don't blame him. Um, he wasn't able to, at that time, come out of, of, of the circumstances and the abuse and, 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 and misery of his childhood. Um, as Like you said, as he sobered up and cleaned up his life and come to God, he's been able to forgive his parents. You know, they, they passed away, but he's been able to move on and... and and uh, been a real good example of forgiveness moving on. So, Boy, yeah. and that is the way you move on is to give is to allow you just to forgive people. It really allows you to free yourself to move yeah, on. Yeah, my dad lives with me now, so we've we've definitely repaired that relationship. That's and, really uh, awesome. He's, he's living in my house now, so I can yeah, take care of him in his older age. <laughs> that's pretty awesome. That's really amazing. 
And so, yeah, so you grew up here, you had um, five brothers, four brothers? Yeah, I was the oldest of five brothers. My, uh, yeah. my, between me and the youngest, there's six years and 11 months. So we're talking six boys in less than wow. seven years. Wow. Yeah, so and a single mom, mom was, for most of that time. Yep. Yep. It was, it was tough. My mom was, see, that's the thing that I love most is how amazing my mom was. You know, she was dealing with a lot of issues going on because she did not have an easy childhood and, and she had a lot of struggles on her own. And here she is, even when my dad was there, he, when he, he drank most of the time. So he really wasn't there. And my parents got separated and later divorced. Here's my mom, six boys. She doesn't know where to go, how to raise us. Um, and we were pretty much, you know, sad to say, kind of on our own from the, from the time I was in sixth and seventh grade, I was on my own. I could pick my own hours, do whatever I wanted to. And, uh, you know, I had responsibilities to make sure my younger brothers had meals during the day and tried to try to make them a meal at night. So they had something to eat and try and keep the house running as best I could. And, my brother Javier was a year younger than me. He and I picked up odd jobs, uh, you know, digging ditches or, or installing sprinkler systems or mowing lawns, whatever we could do to kind kind of help augment my mom's income because she was a she was a secretary for a while and then she was a dental assistant, so she didn't make a lot of money. And you know, the government's answer was always, you know, don't do anything and we'll pay for everything. And my mom thought, I got six boys that I have to teach to be responsible citizens. So she made the incredible sacrifice of working even when when she was advised that it probably wasn't the best thing for her. And uh, she also didn't go after my dad for child support because she knew because of his, his situation, he was a janitor at the, uh, just in the next town over for the university and, and he wasn't doing great financially and he had a lot of issues. So she basically left him alone to try and do his healing on his own, whatever he needed to do to work through his issues. And it left us in a pretty tight spot um, struggling with, with mental illness and, and my dad's alcoholism. My, my mom was an example of, of just go to work, work hard, love the kids that you have and, and do the best you can with the circumstances you've been handed. And uh, I, I can't think of anything harder than my mom when I was in seventh and eighth grade, you know, we're obviously we're, we're getting all of our clothes over at Goodwill or wherever we can get clothes for free. And she'd swing by sometimes behind the grocery stores and pick up whatever food was left out behind the grocery stores before they threw it away. And, and uh, sometimes the thing to do at night was to just tell us, you know, get a big drink of water and fall asleep before you feel too hungry to, to sleep. And we, we knew we could go to school the next day at least and get a meal because sometimes that was the food we ate. That's all it was. It was a, it was a tough situation. But it, it led me to see just how much hard work and love can do for a family. As much as we had some, we had some real problems in our family growing up with drugs and with other issues. But you know what? Hard work and... And love and forgiveness can get you through just about anything. Boy, you're so right. that, And you really are the living testimony of that. <laughs> it is so true. And I love the fact that your life experience, you allowed your life experience to really make you into a great person and excellent legislator. Because you're not, well, it's, it's, you know, when you get in, as you know, you get into office and you have all this power and people are coming to you saying, you know, hey, you can solve the, all these problems if you just pass this bill. And I think we have such a problem in our society where just like your mom was told, just don't work, the government will take care of you. This isn't just for your mom or just for single moms or just for people in, in kind of financial straits. There very much is this push to just 
allow the government to take care of you. And your mom was so amazing and wise to say, no, I want to have self-sufficiency. I want to have dignity. I want to teach my children to be self-reliant. I want to teach them to work. It obviously worked. And um, it really is it's so powerful. And you know when you get in there to the legislature, there's so many people that are after you to solve their problems. Would I, would, am I right? Yeah, I think we've, we've unfortunately as a society taken the role that used to be ours, you know, through our churches, through our neighborhoods, through our families. Um, we have, we have moved that off to the government's role or the government, you know, however you want to look at the government may have stepped into that role intentionally, but it's really stripped us of what made our communities special and unique. Um, I was fortunate to grow up. I grew up in, you know, it's a pretty small town up there in Moscow, Idaho, 20,000 people. But a lot of the people in the community who knew us still helped us out. You know, my, my mom wasn't, didn't say no to welfare, but she didn't, she took what she needed um, when she needed it, but she did not go to the point where she stopped working. She, because she worked, we were limited in the amount of assistance we got. And we were fine with that. We had community people that always rallied around us. And there was always something for me and my brothers to do to earn money. That's the most amazing thing is we talked about, you know, well, how do you pay for things and how do you afford what we had? It seemed like someone always needed a lawn mowed. Someone needed a ditch dug or a fence built. And there was always something for us to do. And uh, there was even a kind gentleman who I went to church with who, as a junior in high school, he was a, he, he owned a paint company. And he said, you know what? You're a hard worker. Come, come paint for me. And, you know, by the time I graduated high school, I was I was doing commercial residential painting, and I was actually a foreman of, of a crew. I was I was responsible enough, I guess he thought, to to actually run a crew with just a year's experience. Um, and what a great opportunity that was! So instead of being a, a leech and and just going to the government, we were able to go out into that community and find the means to pull ourselves out of that state through work and, and through the kindness of strangers and, and, well, neighbors, neighbors, not strangers, but people around us. Um, and it wasn't handouts. It was work. We had to work for it. But, yeah. boy, did we learn a lot. And that job painting houses, I did that for 10 years, commercial residential painting. It's how I paid for, for uh, supporting my family. I paid for my college and, and uh, my own family as I started my own family in school with my wife and, and our children. I was able to pay for that because I had that opportunity to, to work. And, you know, I love what you said about your kind neighbors and friends mm-hmm. that I, and, you know, you nailed it again, you nailed it because that is truly what kindness is because just giving you something, it feels kind to people, both the receiver mm-hmm. and the giver, but really the real kindness is to, is to, to give you the dignity of saying, yeah, I've got something you can do so you can earn it. You can work for it and look at how much it builds your character. It makes you a better person. It creates value for yourself and for them. And so it it is really kindness. You get the self-worth and without self-worth, you're not going to continue to work hard when you realize, Hey, look, look what I did. I was able to go out and, and to work and to accomplish something. And by accomplishing something useful, I was able to provide for my family and, uh, you, you can't learn that trait when, when you're just taking that load and obfuscating it off to the government. You know, government can't be charity because the government's stealing other people's money to do their work. If you don't give exactly. the government charity, then you're going to get arrested. And I don't know anything that's less charitable than armed men arresting you and stealing your property. So I think the exactly. important thing is that we, 
we look at that local control and that local level. I, I, it's sad to see that our churches have, have, have shrunk so much because really that's where that support should be. Family and church is where, where a lot of this problem can be solved. Um, it, and I think we need to be a little more creative because I, I, I'm in HHS. I, I, I voluntarily chose to be in the health and human services because I wanted to see the problems out there and, and see what kind of solutions were out there. And it's always more money and it's never looking at it saying, look, how many of these people, my dad, you know, we talk about affordable housing. Well, my dad couldn't afford a place because of his, his choices growing up and his lifestyle. He really didn't have much to retire on. So I, I've got a house, I've got space. Why would I go out and, and try and create a program to give him housing when I could just move him into my house? I got space, so, you know, it's and the family's the, job. Yes, it is the family's job. And think of the bonding between your children and their grandfather. And for him but, to kind of mm -hmm. heal those wounds and to be able to have that time with his grandchildren has got to be just incredible, life-changing. Oh, it is. It's, it's been amazing, you know. It's, it's a simple solution to a problem that we try and hand off to the government too often. Yes. We keep trying to handle it. And that was that was the founder's idea. And and that is exactly you nailed it with um, Benjamin Franklin. He's like, true kindness and and helping people isn't giving them things. You don't give them a house. You help them get a tent. And once they've got the tent, you help them get a cabin. And then you help them get a house. So they take these steps and they they, so you don't just hand it to them and give it to them because they don't know how to take care of it. And then again, it depletes them of their own dignity and a character yes. building that happens. I think, I think another important thing was a statement that people, you know, should be, should feel uncomfortable in their poverty. Um, yes. Had we been given everything and we were comfortable, we didn't have a TV or a telephone. If I had a television, TV, cable, if I had all of the, comforts of modern life why would i want to work my way out of poverty i had enough to survive barely but it was incredibly difficult and uncomfortable and that gave me the motivation to say you know what i'm not raising my own family in this situation i'm going to do what i can get the education in my case it was an education and move up and out of this because i was uncomfortable exactly and um, discomfort brings us it motivates us to create mm -hmm. value and get out of that situation that makes us uncomfortable. That's that's why we're uncomfortable, so we'll do something about <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Okay, fantastic. Okay, I want to just encourage everyone <laughs> to go to timforutah.com because there's so much great information that, it, you know, and it really applies. It really, these are principles. It's about Tim's life, but they're really principles I think everyone can learn something from going there. So I encourage everyone to. And then, well, Tim, you. did you did you have any other bills that you wanted to talk about? You, uh, you did a great job. HB was really the big one. Yes, it really was the big one. And, and it made it all the way through. And have you heard anything from um, Governor Pronounce about what his plans are? <laughs> well, I, I've heard both veto or support um oh. right now the uh, state school board is meeting actually uh, as we speak to decide how they're going to move on on the many education bills that went before them so we'll, we'll see what the state school board ultimate um decision is and then we'll see where the, where the governor is i've talked to the governor's office and you know kind and polite emails are always a, a benefit so 
it comes down to, to just seeing that we were very close to veto proof on the house and Senate. We just a couple votes short uh, on each of those from being veto proof. So, and this is a passion thing for me. This, this idea of, of having these important discussions is, is what opened my mind when I was in, in school. I remember some of the great teachers I had who may have differed politically, but they didn't bring those political principles in. They, they opened up the education system. They said, here is the history of the country, both good and bad. And we were able to have great discussions about it. And there was never ascribed on a group of people any kind of traits. They just said, this is what was going on at the time. Let's talk about it. And it, it's amazing to see the way that that, that opened the person's mind, the young person's mind, to see that so much has happened in history, so much good and so much bad. And you can see where you fit in in the world. So the reason I pushed this bill so much and the way I did is I want educators and parents to be able to have some principles when they have these discussions. That way we can make sure that some of the bad things that happened in the past don't happen in the future. You know, a few weeks ago, I took my youngest three that we homeschool out to the uh, Topaz Japanese internment camp. And we talk about what happens when the government uh, basically destroys a person's rights. As a U.S. citizen, they completely avoid the entire Bill of Rights and the purpose of the Declaration of Independence. And they steal people's property, they steal their their weapons, and they steal their ability to communicate and seek address from the government and stick them into camps. And we, we, we talked about the amazing sacrifice that some of those people made. It was amazing to see a list of the members of, of the military service that came out of that camp and still serve this country in, in the uh, European front. And it was even sadder to see the amount of, of so Japanese soldiers that had passed away in serving a country that had treated them so badly. They, they said, you know what? This isn't what the America really is. We still love this country and the, in, the principles that found this country. And they were willing to go out to the Western Front in Europe and to, to, to defend those freedoms and those liberties, those principles. And those are the principles I put in here, those principles that enabled people to forgive and to move on and to, to understand where they fit in in the world. So for me, this is a very personal bill. And... And it, yeah, I think it it ultimately takes what America is and it puts it into the education system. It's about forgiveness. It's about understanding the past, and it's about having difficult conversations. So well said, and what a great that what a great idea! I recommend everyone take your family and go to the Topaz encampment to the museum there and see it's so powerful to actually visit it and see it. And you nailed it. It's like unbelievable that our own country turned it against a entire people because of their race, um, because of the actions of someone else. And it, it's amazing. And that we, it just shows it's another example of how much we have to know what our rights are and we have to know how to, peaceably stand up and protect them and to take care of each other in that way. Mm -hmm. And that is the reason we study history is that we can learn what we should do right and what we should do wrong, what not to repeat. So we don't make the yeah. same mistakes. And, and making sure we have those discussions in a way that doesn't ascribe the the atrocities in the past to people now. You, you know, we can't come out and say that America is racist because we did that. Rep At that time, there was some racist policies, yes. but I'm not Representative, responsible for that. Thank you. You're not. Thank you. Oh, thank yeah. you. Thank you so much. You're awesome. Appreciate you. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back.
welcome back. You are listening to the Loving Liberty Network, and this is the Liberty Mom Show. Liberty Moms are the original secretaries of defense. We are the real defenders of the home front, and we are there when it comes to defending our homes, our families, and our communities. I'm your host today, Delaine England, and I am super excited to have a super dad, Representative Mike Peterson with us, and he is not just a great dad, a great granddad. He is a super awesome legislator from Utah. We're super happy that he would take time to be with us. He's married. His wife is adorable. Her name is Sally, and she is super cute. They have four children and nine grandchildren. So I'm like, hmm, I have six children and only seven grandchildren. So I'm very proud of your children. <laughs> <laughs> I keep trying to get mine married and having children for me. So I'm behind you. You're ahead of me. Um, but, you know, you ran on the on the platform of being having limited government and, and on constitutional principles, individual freedoms and parental rights and fiscal responsibility. And so I have to say a, a lot of people run on those kinds of things, as you well know. But what has been so delightful is you don't you just you don't just talk the talk, you walk the walk. You've absolutely been right on on every one of those points. You've been fantastic. And we've really enjoyed having you in the legislature. You've been a great blessing to our state and a great example and a great mentor to many other legislators. You've got some great bills this year. You always do. I'd like to start with HB 347. It's a ballot drop box bill. I'd like to start with that bill and then I wanna move on to another bill that's, that I really love. This is a really important bill. Tell us why you decided it was important to run this bill. Sure, but, but I first have to respond to something you said because you've got me almost choked up. <laughs> that was just too sweet. You know, I uh, I ran on those things, like you say, and uh, I'm 59 years old, Delene. I, I I don't I don't have a life. To, I, you know, I I'm not a young a young guy who's got. Uh, decades to do this i just gotta i just gotta jump in there and do it and do what i can and and uh and that's what i'm trying to do is keep us to a limited government and reduce taxes and, and the things that you that, that you pointed out and uh it's been a great experience i'm really happy for the chance to to be in the state legislature so um hb uh the 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 the, the draw box bill came about you know um I'm not a fan of our voting system right now. I'm not a fan of mail-in voting, right? Of course not. You don't. I, you don't a, think it's a good idea to just mail everybody a whole bunch of ballots out there with no accountability, no chain of custody. You don't, and to just mail them to dead people and people that moved out of the state of Utah 20 years ago. You don't think that's a good idea? I I don't actually. In fact, in fact, last year uh, another bill. Uh, that, that Phil Lyman was running, and I mentioned that my son moved from our home, and I for the next three elections, I I got a ballot for him, even though he lived in uh, he lived in Idaho. Exactly. So I've been I, I've been a little disturbed by this for for quite a while, but but so what I've decided is that as long as that's the system, and I you know you know I I argue against what we're doing, and I and and you've seen I voted. Sure. I voted to, to, to make changes, but uh, while we have this, let's do everything we can to make it as secure because I want to make sure folks feel as comfortable as we can, as confident as we can, that their ballot 
gets to the right place and 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 actually works. So that's what this that's what this uh, ballot drop box amendments was about. Is just that I, I I had I had heard over the course of a few months of of issues happening in other states where people were lighting on fire, you know, lighting a drop box on fire, a, a few of those times, uh, shooting at one, uh, just different things that people were doing. And I said, you know, I wonder what we do in Utah. And I learned that it was a misdemeanor. And I just said, you know, that probably ought to be moved up to to a felony. It ought to be a little more serious. Messing with our, our drop boxes, messing with the ballots seems to me to be a pretty serious issue. And in fact, <clears throat> the clerks of our state uh, got on board with this, as did the lieutenant governor's office. And they said, in part, because... If you're if you're a poll worker, if you're a if you're a clerk and you do similar activities, if you you know you tamper with or you destroy, it is a felony. Well, it ought to be that way for for you and I. If we if we you know tamper with or destroy a, a Dropbox or the ballots that are in there, so that's why we moved. Uh, that's why I moved this 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 bill to to be to, to make it so it would be a felony if you if you tampered. You know, met with some resistance. And I get it. Yes, Some people were saying, well, a felony. Why do you want to make it a felony? That's a pretty big deal. Um, but in the end, it 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 passed, and it passed uh, almost unanimously. So, Yeah, because, you know, when we don't have an, a secure and a valid election system, then we can't have any freedoms at all. There is no country. There is no freedom. If That's we right. don't have legitimate balloting and legitimate votes, so... It is very important, and I think it just makes it consistent. Regardless of who you are, if you're messing with our system, it's a felony. It, so it, I think it's, it's, it's an attack on the system. It's it attack is. on our. It's attack on our democracy, on our republic. If if you do that, it's it, it's a serious it's a serious offense. I think so. Especially when we've got these ballot drop boxes just out all over the place with no oversight, no one watching them. We really don't have. You know, we tried to get cameras on them so that there could be some oversight and some yep. chain of custody and watching over them. So with that, I'm just like to hurry and sneak in something. If you live by a ballot box, no matter where you live in the country, no matter what state, but if you live near one, I would highly recommend if you can, if you have one of those cameras or get one. And, and, you know, because this isn't something we don't, we don't have to have the government do it. We can actually do it as owners, as citizens and homeowners. If we live near one, we can get a um, camera that will point on that. So then we as citizens can keep track and keep watch over those ballot drop boxes ourselves. And so I just recommend to anybody that they have access to that. And of course, if you see anybody tampering with one, definitely let the authorities know. So yeah, that, that's pretty amazing. You got that passed and it's veto proof and it looks yep. great. Yep. I'm so thrilled. Thank you so much. Okay. Another one of my very favorite bills for the session is HB 228, unprofessional conduct amendments. So tell us what this bill does. Yeah. So, so this bill, um, so I, I used to be a counselor, right? Um, right. Years ago, I was at a high school and I worked, I worked for a number of years in a hospital and did, did some, 
did some things in counseling. That's what my bachelor's and master's are in counseling. And it's been in my heart for, you know, for decades. I, I, I have a new profession the last almost 30 years, but it's still been in my heart. And, and uh, I was at a conference a few months ago and I learned that, uh, um, that Utah had passed a, a bill. Well, actually hadn't passed a bill. Tried to pass a bill. <laughs> passed, tried to pass a bill to ban, to ban conversion therapy. But it was a little too, it was, it was much too strict. And so the legislature wouldn't pass it. And so, so the governor Herbert, who was the governor at that point, put it into rule the pretty much word for word, the text of the bill that the legislature uh, opposed ended up in rule, which pretty much just said that a counselor, a, a mental health professional, a healthcare professional can't discuss or, or excuse me, can't work to to eliminate or reduce or really talk about feelings, expressions, behaviors, anything to deal with sexual uh, orientation or or gender identity other than to affirm. And and so I talked with counselors around the state and learned that they were either no longer practicing with with minors or they were maybe even leaving the state altogether because that there was too much, too much ambiguity, ambiguity in that. They, they just weren't sure. What can I do? What can I say? Well, rather than risk losing my license and my livelihood, I'm just not going to, I'm just not going to work with, with minors. Well, obviously that's, that's a problem, especially in today's day and age where we talk so much about, 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 you know, kids having, kids having trouble this is not the time for us to be uh, eliminating their possibilities to talk with the counselor and get the help that they need. So with that, uh, I reached out to, you, you know, Representative Brammer, Brady Brammer. Yes. yes. Um, I'd heard that he was thinking about a bill to deal with uh, overturning that conversion therapy ban. Well, excuse me, the, the, the rule. And, and so we met and over the course of the next several weeks, we met with folks from, boy, all all kinds of uh, every group you can think of that, that might have some concern about this. We met for hours and hours. There was one time the the Lane and I had seven attorneys in the room, and I mean it was. <laughs> I I just kept saying that. So oh, so, so I should say so 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 my goal was this: counselors need to be able to talk, and kids need to be able to talk. That's it's what I wanted to have happen. Mm -hmm. So when we would meet and there was discussion, I would just say, that's the goal. Pretty much. I don't care what it is that, you know, what you guys, you guys can quibble about a word here, a word there, a paragraph, uh, excuse me, a punctuation here, but that's what has to happen. And then, and then we just talked and talked and worked it through. And finally we ended up, as you know, with a bill that says the counselors and, and minor patients can talk about, um, uh, uh, stages of stages of development. They can talk about trauma that may have occurred in their life that might be affecting their their feelings about their gender and sexuality. They can talk about they can talk about most everything. We we still say you don't you don't do uh, there's still a ban on conversion therapy. You don't tell somebody no, you're wrong. You know we we don't want to have that either way. You don't torture um, them. Yeah, that's right. All the things that, you know, when you, when you ask someone, what does conversion therapy look like? And they say, well, it's, 
you know, wire something up with electrodes or you, you make them nauseated. You do all those things we, we explicitly outlaw, but, 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 but we made it so, so kids can talk and counselors can talk and we can help solve some of the issues that the kids are struggling with and they're answering their questions. Yeah, it's an excellent bill. So well done. Well, it was, I, I was really, I was really excited because at the beginning of the session, I, I put out my first draft and it, and it pretty much just said that the talk therapy is not conversion therapy. Well, Equality Utah and others came out. They were not very happy. They, I, I was being called everything, you know, I, I was not a very good a very person. Well, we kept, we continued to work on it. And finally, I mean, as we worked and worked and worked, we had everybody from uh, log cabin Republicans and Equality Utah and in circle to um, the Eagle Forum. And, uh, mm -hmm. you, you name it, everybody was, was, was positive about it. They could see the benefits of it and the, and they could see the, the, the problems that the original language caused. And now this, this was a fair and honest approach. And, and in fact, now, where I'm having folks from international folks reach out. And I, and I think that what we've done is something that um, other states will probably end up using similar language. And I think they've seen that there's a way to, to craft language that makes, um, that protects everybody. So. Yes. That's the beauty of it. It really protects everyone. And, and young people need to be able to go to a counselor and they need for a counselor to be able to talk to them and listen to them and address their issues, whatever they are. And and as you said, I I have several friends that were counselors that just said, I'm not going to counsel minors at all. I'm just yeah. not touching it. I just can't because I, I don't want to affirm and I don't dare not affirm. And so they just quit. And that doesn't help anybody. You know, I remind people that if you took a psychology class, you probably studied Eric Erickson at some point. He had a he had, uh, I think it was eight stages of development. And the one for adolescents is identity versus confusion. This is a time, you know, kids, this is a, this is a, a tricky time for kids, especially when you think about a, a young gal who maybe is, uh, you know, she's on social media and she's seeing and hearing things. She goes to school, she hears and sees things. Her body's changing. She's confused. She's she's got to be able to have a talk with somebody and ask some questions and 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 not be treated um, like her questions are legitimate and not just told Absolutely. oh yep you're you're a boy you're a boy yep let's go schedule right. some surgery or let's go schedule you know let's make sure your parents will will start calling you by your boy name and that that's not the best thing or you think about a boy who's who's fourteen and maybe feeling some attractions to to other boys. But he's thinking, I, I want to go on a mission some some at some point in my life. And, and, and so he goes to his counselor, can you help me not have these, uh, not act on all these feelings I'm having? Well, the way it's been, you couldn't have helped this boy to not have those, to not act on those things. And that's torture to me. It seems like a terrible, a terrible way to, to treat kids. So I saw it. Agree. It's no way to treat young people. They're trying to figure themselves out. They're trying to figure life out. And it is so confusing, especially right now in this world. They're being pulled in so many directions. So it's yeah. such a great bill. 
And, and it really was, it was pretty fun. It was pretty amazing to see how you were able to bring all different entities together and have so much consensus on one bill, which does not happen very often, especially well, on a bill like yours. Yeah, I was, I was shocked when we went into that first uh, house um, committee and I presented and then it was time for public comment. I didn't know what was going to happen because you, 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 I didn't have anybody, you know, I didn't ask anybody to present with me and I didn't know what was the what public was going to say. And it was all not a, not a negative word. And same with when we went to the Senate, not a negative word. And even on the house floor, I mean, everybody wanted to be positive. I don't know if, I can't remember if you were there uh, at the Senate, at the Senate committee when uh, representative, excuse me, Senator Kennedy said, okay, take the love fest outside. <laughs> yes. Yeah, I thought, hey, we we need more love fest going on up here, don't but, we? <laughs> you know, I have yeah. to say though, because um, because I, I I'm a little embarrassed. I keep getting a lot of credit, but you know, it was it was just a lot of good people who got together and and we all coalesced around a common goal. That who can say who can say that who can fight against the idea that we love kids and we want to we want to provide them with the best opportunity? Who can't That's agree true. with that? So yeah, absolutely. I love that. And I love that you give credit to others, but I mean, you did carry the water. You did carry it. And, and I think it is true of legislation though. It never really happens by one person. It is a group thing and you had to have other legislators vote for us. So <laughs> you did, you managed to make that happen. So good job. That was fantastic. Okay. Are there any other bills that you would like to talk about that you want to kind of focus on? We can talk um, about SB 16 if we want to. I'm real sad about it, um, HB 132, but I'm glad that we, which was to protect minors against transgender ther um, therapy, against yeah. having hormones and and um, surgery and cross-sex hormones. But, um, but we did get SB 16 finally. Yeah. We, we, we made some progress. And, and when you put that with, with HB 228, I think we're in a, yes. we're in a much better spot than we were a far better uh, outlook for kids. Yeah. I feel, I feel much better about, you know, it, it's too bad. It's too bad that uh, for whatever reason, wreck ships bill, you know, he tried it for two years and it, and it, and it just never gained any traction. And for whatever reason, this one did. And, and I know he's very grateful that, 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 We've made progress, and and our kids are going to be uh, safeguarded from much of what they weren't before. So, it it is because minors they do need a chance to grow up and a chance before they make some really really life changing and unreversible irreversible decisions regarding their body. Yeah. They need a chance to grow up. So, yeah. So that was like a good I win. Said, I think you know, a really great win. Eric Eric Erickson and. Like I said, Eric Erickson and, and identity versus confusion, and and we've got to give them a chance. And you know, there's so many things we don't we don't want kids to do at at 14, 15, 16 years old. You know, we don't let them do lots of things because their brains aren't developed. It just doesn't make sense. It just doesn't make sense that on these on this issue, there's sexuality. We we you know it was pretty much free game. So it yeah. doesn't. You're so right. Yes, so true. Okay, well, we have HB 131. That was another one of my favorite bills, which, again, it took two years to get it through. 
You have to remind me which one that one is. I'm so sorry. That is HB 131 is the vaccine passport prohibitions. So that's the bill stating that last year it was HB 60. This year it's 131 stating that businesses, the government, and the public square cannot require you to have a vaccine passport in order to participate in the world. So last year it was really very controversial and we worked very hard on it. And then this year it was really not very controversial. It sailed right through. But I think a very important bill. I I think, uh, you know, a year ago, two years ago, we were sort of conspiracy theorists. Yes. (laughs) And now I think we're, you know, we've, we've been able to have that, have that hat removed from our heads and people are saying, Oh, you know, there really is something here. Let's uh, let's not, let's make sure this can't happen again. And yeah, it might move through. Yeah. So let us take our tinfoil hats off for a few minutes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that's, I think that's really important because if you can't really live your own religion, your own faith, your own, have your own personal uh, belief system and have your body, bodily autonomy have sovereignty over it, you really can't have freedom. It's another one of those things that's just as important as voting. It's huge. Well, life, liberty, and the pursuit of, of of property, life, liberty, and property without property. Yes. And, and I tell people, but it's not because I, I, I had a, I had a bill about eminent domain, which I didn't, I didn't follow through with. Um, but property is not just, you know, cars and trucks and, and land. It's, it's me. Exactly. And, and these things have got to be safeguarded like nothing else. It's just, if, if, if we don't have, if we don't have, uh, if we don't have property, it's over. It's over. It's over. Yeah. So that is one of the, yeah. that's part of freedom. So yeah. representative Peterson, you're so wonderful. We really appreciate you. Oh. We're so glad that you're there with us representing your state You've been a great, a true representative and a great lover of liberty. Thank you. That's, I, you know, it, it's not easy all the time. No, it's, but, it's easy. Never. <laughs> but it's, yeah, but it, but it does help. I have to, I have to tell you, um, I love, I love seeing you and some of your colleagues up there who are helpful because uh, it does, it does give me a, shot in the arm sometimes and some of the courage that I need sometimes and that others need sometimes because it does, we do get beaten down a bit and it's, and so I so appreciate what you do uh, and, and I hope you'll just continue to, to keep up your fight too, because we need it. So thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. We really appreciate you being here. We appreciate all the value you create. Thank you so much, representative. Thank, thank you. you. Have a good thank afternoon. You. Bye-bye. Thank you. You too. Thank you. So we are very blessed in the state of Utah. We actually picked up about 10 or 12 really excellent new legislators that have really, that love liberty and that have been really great. That's been a great blessing to us. And uh, we passed some good legislation this year. We also passed some really terrible, horrible legislation, but I like to focus on the good legislation that we passed because it shows that we, because we got involved we were proactive, we educated, we're able to pass some good stuff. So I just encourage everyone out there, you know, we are very blessed. We live in the greatest country ever and pray that we'll, each one of us will go out and share this message, that we will be aware of each other, that we will lift each other, that we will talk about how wonderful it is to be a mother 
it's challenging. It's hard. Nothing wonderful ever came from not something not being hard. And yet how wonderful it is and how grateful we are to be a woman. Let us let people know if we're a man, how great it is to be a man and be a father, to be a leader in the community and to uh, love who we are and appreciate who we are and just be good examples and know that we really are the defenders of liberty. And it is our calling and our job. And that each one of us, no one has to do everything, but each one of us can do something. So I encourage you to contact someone every day. Just spend five minutes every day in pursuit of supporting our freedom. It's amazing what a difference. You think if everyone in our country spent five minutes supporting freedom in our country, just supporting these bills, talking to people, educating them, telling them the issues, how much we can get done. You're the defender of our freedom. Thank you. Have a beautiful day. 